because it's the differentiator between you running the project or the project running you. Welcome to the TCO Method, the only show focused on helping you massively increase your net operating income. I am Andy McQuaid. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the program. Today, I want to talk about something I didn't really realize was as prevalent as it is. And this is found across all forms of real estate investing. There's challenges in the industry that we see all the time. And it doesn't matter if this is a multifamily commercial operation or a smaller guy looking to flip houses, looking to manage properties, looking to do rehabs in residential or small multifamily. The differentiator between the businesses that run efficiently and run well and can scale Versus the ones that constantly seem to be chasing their tails, being less efficient, less effective. It comes down to systems. It comes down to processes, standards. And we've talked about this stuff in the past. But what we haven't really touched on, what we really haven't d- taken a deep dive look at, is the construction management side of the process. And I say I'm blinded to this to a certain extent because it's what I do. It's what I live and breathe. As a material supplier, for the first 20 whatever years of my career, I did estimates and takeoffs, material lists for people to complete projects. What I never really took a look at And I still kind of take it for granted because it's built into my system. It's built into my program. It's what I help people figure out how to do is project planning. And it's really important because it's the differentiator between you running the project or the project running you. How much money you make and how fast you're done and on to the next job or on to the next unit can drastically affect how much money you make on that job, how much that turn is worth to you. The less amount of time that a property is vacant, the less number of doors you have where you're paying your overhead and operating expenses and not getting a return of income in exchange, the better. In new construction, it goes without saying. You have a house project, you have a renovation, a remodel, an addition, you don't pay that contractor by the hour. By default, you're paying that, whether it's a sub or a GC or whatever, you're paying them by the project. Scope of work matters. But by paying them by the project instead of by the hour, you create an incentive. Well, what's that incentive? Well, if they're a subcontractor 
right? They're an electrician. They're a plumber. They're a framer, trim carpenter. You pay them hourly. You're incentivizing them to take more time. You pay them by the project. They're incentivized by their own need to make money to complete the project and move on to the next project so they can get paid again. That doesn't mean that they get to just use bubble gum and caulk to complete a project and move on. Your contract needs to have standards of work, finish expectations, and hopefully a timeline to push them to complete regardless. Because we know that these subs will pay their labor hourly, even though they're getting paid by the, by the contract project scope. Okay. And this isn't necessarily a surprise to anybody listening, or maybe it is, but it's relevant to the rest of the conversation because apparently there's a disconnect where people are allow allowing their projects to run them instead of them running their projects. So we talked about briefly in a different podcast that some of the most successful businesses that I've worked with that have been able to scale commercial real estate value add operators build their own teams internally or have a team that's 1099s that they work with all the time on their projects that run the construction, the rehab for them, right? They vertically integrate their construction function, right? They call it construction, even though it's rehab, remodeling, renovation, whatever you want to call it, flipping units. They make it a part of their W-2 operation typically, but they're still companies that bring in project managers on a 1099 and they manage the subs and stuff for the job. That's really not here or there. When they do it internally, they bring a W-2 team together to manage these renovations and rehabs. They do it on their own properties because they can control everything. They control the labor. They control the timelines. They control all this other stuff. They're obviously paying these people hourly. They're not going to pay them by the project. They're not going to pay them by the square foot. Right? You hire a framing contractor to come in and frame a house. You're paying them you know, $12, $15, $17, $25 per square foot to frame that project. You know, the more complicated it is, the faster you want it done, the higher price per square foot you're going to pay. The higher quality you want, the higher price per square foot you're going to pay. In all things, it's usually worth it to pay for the extra quality from a reputable contractor, a reputable sub, a reputable, a reputable provider, because it'll save you money down the road what the TCO method is all about, right? Total cost of ownership. How long do you own this project? And what's it going to cost you down the road? You hire a crappy framer who's $5, $7 a square foot less. Maybe they're going to take longer. So your project completion time goes up. So your holding costs accelerate. Maybe they don't know how to frame a wall plumb. So you're going to be paying your cabinet hangers 
your trim carpenters more money to make the rooms and the walls work and appear square and flush. Very hard to hide gaps behind cabinets on walls that are not straight. It shouldn't be difficult, and yet I've seen it recently. You put a level on a wall, somebody's saying your door doesn't close correctly. You put a level on the wall, the wall's angling at a few degrees out of plumb, and the door is pushed right up flush against the drywall or against the, the, the OSB on the exterior of the house. And yeah, the door is binding. Absolutely it is. Number one, because the door's hung wrong, because you don't nail it flush to the exterior of the of the OSB. You hang the door through the jam on the studs. That's number one. Number two, the door was also not plumb, so it was leaning the same angle the wall was. So yeah, the door's not going to work right. Go figure. The other issue with cheap framers is that you're going to have to pay your drywallers. If your drywallers care about the quality of their work, they're going to want to minimize what it takes to finish that drywall and make it look presentable. Walls that curve and wiggle and are at weird angles and stuff, your drywallers, if they're worth their salt, should be like, this is jacked up and we need to fix it. We got to shim here and we got to do this and we got to do that. If you just took the time, because now you have two change orders or three or four or five, because of that bad decision made at the beginning. And it's the same thing in rehab and reno and multifamily construction and renovation. You're going to run into low-cost providers that cost you more in the long run. Okay? What I really want to talk about isn't so much the labor process on this. It's the part I basically said I was blind to because it's been my wheelhouse for two decades going on to a property, going on to a job site. And even though I don't do this every day now, I did it for 20 years. Walking into an apartment, walking into a new construction property, walking into somebody's office and taking a set of blueprints and producing a list to tell them everything that they need to complete that project. There's a reason why there are companies out there on the internet that do estimating. That's all they do. There's a reason why construction companies, whether they're commercial, whether they're home builders, whether they're whatever, have in-house estimators and project managers trained to do blueprint takeoffs or to walk a job site and create material lists. Okay? Because they run their projects. They're not allowing their projects to run them. And I had a client who listens to this show, and he's probably laughing right now who reached out to me the other day because he was told by other people in his, in his business that you can't have all the material on a job site to complete the job. You just have to start, and if it means you have to drive to Home Depot or drive to Lowe's 50 times to get stuff, and you're there every single day buying product, well, every house is different, and you just have to, that's just part of doing business. What? Are you fucking kidding me? No, it's not. I used to make my living working with rehabbers and flippers and property managers, making sure that we could put a pallet in their unit, in their house, that had everything 
we could provide for that job in one place when they started the project. The difference is that the operators I worked with like that planned ahead, understood construction management, understood project management. And even if they didn't have the resources internally to do the takeoff, to do the estimating, to do the material list creation, they had a resource that could. Me. I was their vendor. If I wanted to sell a product, I should know how it's installed and what needs to go with it to complete that particular install of that product. Now, you're not going to get this from like HD Supply because they're just basically root salespeople. They just drive around taking orders, right? Or you order from online or order from a catalog. Your mom and pop building materials providers, and I wasn't mom and pop at this time, right? I was, you know, either working at 84 Lumber or working at Home Depot, but I had somewhere between seven and 18 pro desks in the stores where I would help the teams figure this stuff out and provide service and guidance and coaching and training and all that stuff. And then I had key customers that I would deal with to make sure that they were getting the service the product, and whatever else they needed from the stores. And if I couldn't do a good job at it as a provider, I wouldn't sell it to them. I got to create lots of cool programs for Home Depot, lots of cool pilots to the point where I had a full-time salaried guy on the road hitting the accounts I didn't have time to hit because I was on a plane every three weeks flying to the Carolinas or Texas or Michigan or Ohio or whatever to help my customers set up with stores in the local area so they could do the project. But these customers had integrated internal project management, construction management, and I would go out for due diligence. I would go out for project pre-planning. I'd go out for specification, and I would onboard the local store to the program. Because here's what the program was. In the next year and a half, we're going to turn 300, 700, 1,000, 2,000 apartments. We're going to upgrade them from a C- minus or a C or a B to a B plus or an A or a C plus in some cases. And here's what we need to provide this customer. We need all of their flooring, the required underlayment, all the glues, fasteners, and repair stuff, palletized and ready to go, broken out by whichever style of apartment this is. So here's the square footage we need and the materials we need for a one bedroom. Here's a two bedroom. Here's a two bedroom, two bath. Here's a three bed, two bath. This is what we need exactly. Here's the color. Here's the quantity. Here's all the other accessories that need to be on that pallet. And then over here, we need a pallet that has all of the stuff for their bathrooms. Here are the vanities, the toilets, the wall cabinets, the P traps, the supply lines, the caulks, any type of adhesives that are being used, thin set grout, all of the lav pop-ups, faucets, tub assemblies, diverter valves, shower heads, everything. All per the customer spec for that project. Here's the exact item that we need. You, Mr. Store, you are going to pre-order and inventory in your overheads all of this product. So we can deliver 5 to 10 units a week. Because this customer is going to go through and they're going to complete this entire project with no more than four weeks downtime for each unit. 
they are going to pay or bribe their current tenants to move into units that were vacant that have already been refurbished. And they're going to complete this project in a year, two years, whatever it is. All of that product for those bathroom turns would be on another pallet. And then we'd have another pallet for all of the kitchen product. All the cabinets we would provide based off of kitchen takeoffs that I would measure. We would drop all the kitchen cabinets off because we would have them ordered 16 weeks in advance because we were ordering RTAs or other cabinets from China in some cases. We used American cabinets too. We used an all made in American cabinet for some customers, but there were certain finishes that we needed to achieve in the, as far as look went. And we had a price point, we had a budget that we had to hit. So if that meant we were ordering literally container loads of cabinetry from China, that's what we were doing. So all the stuff for the kitchen cabinet install was there. All the toe kick, light rail, chair rail, all the end panels for islands, all the side panels if they were required because there was an unfinished side on this particular brand of cabinet, all the electrical that needed to change from standard to decora, all the wall plates, all of the miscellaneous electrical lighting, the whole nine yards. That was another pallet. And then there was a bundle of interior doors and then a, a pallet with miscellaneous hardware and other things that were needed to complete the job or it was in boxes on another pallet somewhere. So we'd have all the interior doors ready to go, all the lock sets ready to go, all the replacement hinges ready to go, all the bump stops of every single kind, floor stops, hinge stops, spring door stops. If there were handrail brackets, if there were whatever, everything was color aligned, all the cabinetry knobs and all that stuff was, was there. The goal was for these operators to walk in the door with whatever sub was turning that unit and all the product was in the room. They would go, all the product would be on the pallet set off to one side of the, of the apartment, out of the way, and they would start the demo. They would rip out all the doors, all the molding if it was going, all the hardware, plumbing, electrical, vanities, gut the whole unit. So literally it was just wires hanging out everywhere, circuit breaker was off. Wires hanging out everywhere, no appliances in there, no cabinets in there. Just drywall. They would patch all the drywall. Then they would go in and replace all the flooring after the drywall was patched. And then the cabinets would start going in. And yeah, we had hiccups, right? There was always a cabinet, like one out of 50 or 60 would come up damaged, missing, whatever. We had a plan for that because we knew it happened. Damages happen in everything. If you've been in this industry long enough, you know that. But we had a plan to deal with it. So we had a couple of each cabinet in the overheads in the store that were just extra that we ordered in for the customer. Customer paid for them because Home Depot is a pain in the butt and won't just inventory unsold product unless it's a stock item for that particular store. So we had all of the extra parts and pieces there. So if they had a 28-inch base drawer cabinet or a 30-inch above the refrigerator cabinet or a 36-inch corner cabinet that was extra tall, so they didn't want a 30, so they went to a 36. So it gave it that accent look just as an extra perk for the, the tenant. We had that there. So they could just grab that 36, assemble it, and put it in where the one was damaged or missing. And then we'd replace it later. We'd get another one from the, from the supplier. We'd send back the damaged one and get a credit from the manufacturer. But the point was, everything was pre-planned. To the tube of caulk, to the nail, to the screw. There is a science 
behind construction and material takeoffs. So the fact that this gentleman had peers telling him that it couldn't be done just means that they've never actually done it. It obviously can be done because I did it across tens and tens and tens of thousands of apartments and houses and remodels over my career. When a framer showed up to a job site when I was at 84 Lumber, the first thing he needed was pressure-treated lumber, or borates, and sill sealer so he could put the plate down on top of the concrete block and bolt it so he had something to nail the framing to so the house didn't slide apart. I knew that had to be there every time. And then it took joists, and then it took flooring, subflooring, on top of the joists, and then it took studs for the walls and plywood to cover those studs. Oh, and they also needed headers, so they needed 2x8s and 2x10s and 2x6s and LVLs and glue lamps. Oh, and then they needed more joists if it was a two-story house, which most of them were, because I was doing 6,000-square-foot McMansions in Victor, New York, and Pittsburgh, New York. So if you know where that is, that was my cookie-cutter house. It was a 6,000-square-foot hip-roof McMansion. Like, this is long, heavy product, right? 24-foot joists. 30-foot LVLs. There was no way that the contractor could get in a truck in the middle of the project and stop doing what he was doing and stop making money because he was being paid by the square foot, not by the hour. There was no way he could get in a truck and drive to 84 Lumber and pick up a 30-foot LVL. It wasn't going to happen. Absolutely pre-planning is a thing. Absolutely knowing what it's going to take is a thing. Well, every house is different. You don't know what you're going to get until you open it. It's not that different, bro. Every single project where you're replacing molding, door trim, you know, baseboard. Every single project, whether it's new construction or reno, takes the same stuff. The baseboard. The nails. If the walls are crooked, some shims. Some caulk. It's not that complicated. You walk in, you don't even need to use a tape measure, really. But you walk in, you got four walls. Well, how many pieces of baseboard is that? Depends on how long the walls are, but probably at least four. Oh, there's crown? How many pieces of crown is that? Oh, there's four walls? It's four pieces of crown. See where I'm going with this? How many pieces of casing does it take to do a door? Doors are six foot eight. You need 84 inches on a, on a piece of casing, so that's seven feet. So you can cut a miter in it and get it to go together. Okay, so there's two legs on each side of the door. So that's four. And then there's the center part of the door, which is no wider than 36 inches. So 36 and 36 is 72. Oh, I could take another seven footer and cut it in half and miter it and put it on top of whatever size door I've got. Unless it's a, you know, a, a double door, like a closet, you know, four foot, five foot, six foot wide. In which case you can still use seven footers, right? You see where I'm going with this? There's a science to this and it isn't rocket science by any means. This is like elementary school math and geometry. This is, this is not something where there's really an excuse other than your project is running you and you're not running your project to get this done. And I know that that's not going to make a lot of people really happy with me saying that, but I don't really care. Honestly, there's no excuse. Every bathroom you do, if you're going to own or manage this property, even if you're not, you go in to do a bathroom. If you're replacing the vanity, you're probably replacing the faucet. 
If you're replacing the faucet, you're probably replacing the supply lines. How many supply lines does a faucet take? Two. How many P-traps does a faucet take? Well, none. But the pop-up assembly for the drain takes one. But if there's two sinks in one vanity, then there's going to be two faucets and four supply lines. Oh, and two P-traps or S-traps. Well, what size are they? Inch and a quarter, because that's the industry standard for a lavatory. How many toilets? You have more than one toilet per bathroom? I don't know. I hope it's a public restroom, because that's weird. Oh, you have a shower stall? Oh, what do I need? A shower head? A diverter? Some shutoffs? You've got a toilet, one faucet, and one shower. How many shutoffs do you need? Well, a toilet takes one, the faucet takes two, and the shower takes two. How many is that? Five? You absolutely, 100% of the time, can and should pre-plan your project. It doesn't have to be to the penny. Everybody's got their formulas when they walk into a property to go, $15,000 to do this turn. $20,000 to do this turn. There are ways to get those material lists. Use your vendors. Did you know you could walk into a mom and pop roofing and siding supplier right now or not a mom and pop go to an ebc go to a beacon go to an srs distribution say hey i've got a house at or a building at 123 main street i need a new roof tell me what i need two things will happen one is they'll charge you like 20 bucks to get a satellite imagery estimate done of the property or they'll send a sales rep out to walk the job and do the estimate by hand. Either way, the result is the same. You get a complete material list with everything you need to complete that project from the ground up. Sometimes they'll even provide dumpster services for your tear-off. Go to a lumber supplier. When I was at 84 Lumber and my specialty was framing, I also sold all the windows, all the exterior doors, all the other interior trim, interior doors, moldings. And when I shipped the job, I shipped everything that installer needed to complete the install. Nails, screws, glues, joist hangers, all the shims, all the finish nails, all the wood glue, all the specialty hardware, all the actual interior doors and molding, crowns, whatever. If it was windows, it was shims, roofing nails, sometimes accessories for siding, sometimes not, sometimes shutters, sometimes not. But you're not shoehorned in to going to a lumberyard to just buy lumber and going to a window store to buy the windows. You're also not shoehorned in and doing all the estimates yourself. You can rely on suppliers to do that for you. The moral of the story, the moral of this episode is don't let your project run you. Yes, every time you open a wall in a city house, everyone is different. But the stuff you use to fix them isn't. Like, do you know for sure that you're going to need to replace all the plumbing in a house until you open the walls? No. But if you plan ahead and you order it, and you order everything you need or think you need to complete that project at once, you go worst case scenario. You buy the pecs, assuming that the plumbing is going to be bad and need work. You buy a couple pieces of PVC because you think you're going to have to replace some. 
You don't need to know exactly how much because you're going to buy this stuff in a 100-foot coil or in a 10-foot length. You don't need to know whether you need 3-foot or 5-foot. What you need to know is, do I need 10 feet or 20 feet? Do I need 100 feet or 200 feet? And if you don't use it all, if you haven't done anything to cut into it yet, you return the whole entire piece intact and you get your money back at the end of the job. Or you move it to the next job if you're busy. So for companies looking to scale, for companies looking to do more with less, to do better, to be able to spend time working on their business and not in their business, to running their business instead of letting their business run them, being able to pre-plan your project and pre-order the materials for that project before the day you need it is really important. There's a reason why these companies, when I started working with them, had 7,000 doors, and by the time I was done after three years, were over 20,000. Well, how did they do that? They brought their construction in-house. They hired a full-time construction manager to run their rehab projects. And they pre-planned everything to the day on a work schedule. They knew within a couple days of when a unit was going to start construction, demo and construction, and when it was going to be completed. Because after doing five or ten of them on a property, they knew, oh, well, this should take about two days to complete, and this should take five, and this should take ten, and then, you know, the total turn, finished coat of paint, and then cleaning should be complete by day 26, day 28. And when you systematize it and you repeat it, it becomes so easy that it's almost impossible to fail. That's what your goal needs to be. If they had extra material left over from a turn because they didn't need all the shutoffs or didn't need all the supply lines or didn't need all the square foot of flooring or didn't need all the blinds or didn't need all the whatever, they moved it to the next unit that that crew went to or they returned it to the store if it hadn't been cut open or damaged. Don't let your projects run your business. You need to be running both of those. And if that means you stop for five minutes and take a deep breath and just focus, what are we doing next week? Oh, I'm supposed to be finishing the demo and getting the kitchen started. I guess I probably need cabinets. A week really isn't enough to get anything but crap stock cabinets out of a Home Depot or a Lowe's or a Mr. Seconds or whatever. Now, if you make it a habit and you take that deep breath and you stop for five minutes and you go, four weeks from now, I need to be doing this kitchen because we just stripped the roof today and they're delivering the roofing and booming it to the roof so my guys aren't climbing a ladder. I guess I should probably be ready to do that kitchen. I got to go to the store. And you go to a supplier that specializes in kitchens for investment properties. You say, hey, here are my dimensions on this piece of paper. I just measured this. I got a seven-foot wall and an 11-foot wall, and I'd like to put an island, but I don't know how big. You know what that kitchen designer is going to do? They're going to punch everything into a computer system, ask you what colors cabinets you want, what kind of features you want on those cabinets, what your budget is, and they're going to design that kitchen so that your work triangle is settled 
make sure that you've got the appliances specced out that you want. And you can say, hey, I always use this fridge, this oven, this microwave, and this dishwasher. I don't include it a garbage disposal. Or I do, but the garbage disposal has to be corded. It can't be hardwired. And you give them all these specs. And you say the cabinets can't be thermofoil. They have to be painted because thermofoil peels off anytime somebody cooks a lot of really moist foods over an oven. And they're hard to clean because they delaminate. I want a painted cabinet so I can clean it with a magic eraser. And that kitchen designer, in like an hour, will spit out a kitchen design with everything you need. Every piece of filler, every end panel, every cabinet, every piece of trim that you need, whether it's crown, light rail, toe kick, whatever. And wow, there's a step taken out. You don't actually have to figure out what cabinets you want. You actually had somebody on your team who does it every day, making recommendations to make your life easier so you can do your job faster and more efficiently and make more money in scale. What a concept. This is really hard stuff, isn't it? No, it's not. It takes common sense and a little bit of foresight. But if you're a business owner, you're an operator, and you're not planning these things ahead, you're just showing up on day one figuring out what you're going to do for a couple days or for that week, and then going to the store and, and getting it, you will never be able to scale. You will constantly be chasing your tail. And usually you're going to be stuck in the race to the bottom because you're not buying in bulk. So everything's costing you more. You're not pre-planning. So you're pissing money down the drain in windshield time and mileage. You're literally doing so many things wrong that you don't even see because you don't think it's possible. Meanwhile, this is construction 101. This is the dumbest, lowest level fruit that you can pluck from that tree to start making more money. Anyway, thank you for listening. My rant is over for today. Just did a great interview episode with Dan Lukowitz. Check it out. All about triple net investing how to make more money in real estate, protect some of your cash. If you're on YouTube, hit that bell, subscribe. If you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else you're listening to this, please like, subscribe, leave a comment if you can. Every single review helps. Spread the word. You can send us an email, podcast at tcomethod.com. And please have a great rest of your day.